1: Hi, I'm Michael Bozinski, I'm the President and CMO of Buzzworthy Integrated Marketing. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur, digital marketing thought leader, and a best-selling author. I've been dubbed a visionary marketer by the American Marketing Association, and my sole mission is to help entrepreneurs avoid the time drain and frustration of managing profitable digital marketing campaigns. Most people call me Buzz, and I have simplified the digital marketing uh, success with the rule of 26, and I'm on a mission to double the website revenue of service centric businesses across America.
0: Buzz, thank you so much for being here. This is going to be a great conversation. We had some really good things to talk about as we were kind of getting prepared for this. So I'm going to just jump right in with the big question that is on everyone's mind. And the big question for this episode is how. Do you double your website revenue with the rule of 26? So first of all, let's talk about what is this mysterious rule of 26?
1: <laughs> so the rule of 26 is a way to simplify the marketing strategy for g- garnering profitable revenue from a service-centric business.
0: Okay, let's break that down. What is garnering the revenue? Profitable revenue. Okay, so basically, profitable like, let's, let's make more money.
1: Let's make more money predictably. Okay. So, what happens is that service business businesses always rely on, or I, 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 every time I ask, where is the, where you get the most business? And I hear over and over again, word of mouth. Oh, our word of mouth is just amazing. And I get referrals like every day, which are both lies, right? And so, what happens is that when we are relying on word of mouth and referrals, we're we're put in this pompous position that people are thinking about us all the time. And they're worried about building our businesses for free. Exactly.
0: You are my neighbor and also my business development coach. (laughs) Like I am counting on you to feed me leads.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? And then, and and I learned it early on. My company started as a production house. And so we weren't necessarily in marketing. We served marketing needs and production but we weren't marketers, right? And so I'm learning how to market my own business. And I would hear these st- conversations with friends of like, oh yeah, so-and-so got a website built by blah, 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 blah. I was like, well, why didn't you talk to me? Oh, I didn't think about it. Well, why not? <laughs> yeah, like right. you, you get your feelings <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I mean, I'm that pompous butt right, right there. be exactly. going like, why aren't you listening? Like every time I tell you, this is what I do. This is how I feed myself. This is like. <laughs> right,
0: right. So, okay, so what's the alternative?
1: So the alternative is to create a system that drives traffic to a website that then drives people to you, right? There's a statistic out there that says 68% of all people, consumers, looking for a service will visit the service provider's website before calling or contacting that company. Two-thirds of all consumers were going to go to your website. So if your website's not performing as it should, because a website technically is your salesperson. It's there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year it takes no sick days no vacation days no holidays never complains and never asks for a raise. my website complains sometimes
0: <laughs> you should hear we have these <laughs> i'm just kidding
1: <laughs> <laughs> no i get it i get it no 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 oh, yeah everybody complains about their website right. but i have not seen one complain at me yet but okay,
0: it yells at it. me if i haven't done like certain updates and stuff it's just it's it's oh, okay, kind of okay. yeah, yeah. like kind of a little rude and moody sometimes <laughs>
1: I got it. I got you. I'm picking up. So so. what I did was I created this rule of 26. Basically, it simplifies the strategy process in which we can approach garnering profitable revenue from our website and make it predictable. So now if I want to grow my firm... I can do it predictably once I've applied the rule of 26. Okay. And so the rule of tw- so you want me yes, to tell you what Yes, that's my next question. What is this mysterious I like I feel I like, like you should have a crystal ball. Like
0: you should and it, it should kind of have this like sort of cloudy purple sparkly stuff inside. <laughs> that's what I'm picturing yeah, right go. now. We are looking in to the crystal ball. <laughs> yeah,
1: I love it. So the rule of 26 states That if you increase your website's unique visitor traffic by 26%, your conversion rate by 26%, and the average value per client by 26%, you'll have a compounded effect of 100% more revenue from your website.
0: Okay, so let's say that again. Website traffic by 26%. Uh What was the other two?
1: conversion rate. Okay. So conversion rate means that the the percentage of people who come to your website versus who contact you become a qualified prospect. Okay. Okay. And then your average value per client. So your average value per client can come from many different ways. A lot of times when we look at well in the in the legal realm we find that you know you're probably charging as much as you possibly can because we're trained to do that as legal providers, right? Yeah. But are we attracting the most profitable prospects? Yes. So I can give you a hundred tire kickers who are not going to, who might spend a little bit of money on the consulting, but never actually get into your full programs or t- take you on as legal counsel, right? Or I can get your website to attract the right type of client for your practice. Yeah. Right. And so th- there's a lot of those tricks in the rule of 26 that allows us to do one of the other. Another way that we we talk about in the book is to diversify and productize some of our services. Yes. Right. So I'm working with a trust lawyer uh, right now with me and my wife. Right. They productized the process of getting a trust or a will. That is, has created a system that reduces the cost of doing business to a point where it doesn't matter how much money I have or how many assets I have. They already know what kind of work they're going to have to do.
0: Yeah. And it also increases their efficiency and effectiveness. So it's yeah. probably more correct when they have these checklists and they have a system in place. And so not only are they making more money, but it's it's mm-hmm. a better product and the better uh, result for their client as well. Mm-hmm. okay, so we increase the website traffic by 26%, and right. in, increase the conversion rate. So all that traffic that's coming in, they, they need to convert at a higher rate as well. And then mm-hmm. we also mm-hmm. get a, a higher rate of return on each one of those. So that sounds nice. Those are all nice numbers. But how do you do that?
1: So that's what the book says. <laughs> okay, <right? laughs>
0: perfect. You buy the book. <laughs> that's the answer. <laughs>
1: right. No, really, it's it's about, I like to reverse engineer. Yeah. So even though I wrote the book in that order, we start, when I work with clients, I start at the end and say, okay, what's the value of clients that you're getting and what type of uh, revenue are you getting from your best clients, yeah. right? I identify that. And are we leaving money on the table with clients you're currently serving? Yes. Because that's an immediate increase in revenue. Yeah. Exactly. And those are
0: clients who have already demonstrated that they see your value, they've hired you, they see themselves as a client. And so in a lot of cases, they are expecting you to provide those ideas and paths forward and protect them against whatever those things might be. And so you Mm -hmm. are absolutely leaving money on the table, like you said.
1: Right. If we can do that, we're immediately increasing revenue from that, right? right? But that also tells us the story that we need to be telling on the website. Yes so that we can talk to our perfect client. It's okay not to convert 100% of your visitors because yeah. 100% of your visitors contacting you will bankrupt your business, right. period. Yeah, You want the 5% who needs your services specifically, the ones that you have systemized, productized, and are the most efficient with, right? So those are the most profitable services that you can provide. We want to talk to those pain points and those types of people coming in. They resonate with that problem. They see how you could provide that solution. So therefore, they're going to call you and hire you yeah. versus ask a bunch of questions that have are not relevant to anything that you offer. Yeah.
0: And then go hire somebody right?
1: else at a cheaper rate. And I'm going to go hire somebody else anyway, right? right. (laughs) So then once we've done that, and that will increase your conversion rate. Okay. So once we've done that, so we've distilled what we need to say, how we need to say it, line it out to where we're getting good conversions from the traffic you're already getting. And then we distill the traffic to make sure it's good traffic, right? A thousand visitors that have no intention of buying your services are worth zero to you.
0: And a thousand uh, visitors, you've paid money and put effort in to get those a thousand. So it's probably a negative at that point. Where if mm-hmm. you spend all this money, opportunity
1: costs, There's all sorts. Yeah, of stuff, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: And then they aren't converting. You're, you know, you you're just lighting money on fire. Okay, mm-hmm. so you increase the traffic. You get those people in. You've got you're telling their stories, and then you also find a way of increasing the the overall profitability of each of those clients. Mm -hmm. So does that just mean raising your your rates or just making sure that those clients are overall the more ideal client than those kind of low-level tire kickers?
1: There's three ways to increase the value of a client. One is to raise your prices. So in a lot of industries, service providers are not charging what they're worth. Right. And what they're doing there is not charging what you're worth, puts you in a bad position as a service provider because you are. if you're not charging what you're worth, you're not providing the best you can. And if you are, you're losing money and basically growing yourself broke. I know because I did it. (laughs) I did it for 15 years. I grew myself into a multi uh, seven-figure business and I was, for all intents purposes, a broke company. That's so... Okay, I owned a job called CEO. I hated it. That's why I don't even go by CEO anymore. I'm a president of a company. I never want to be a CEO ever again. (laughs) You couldn't pay me enough to put that on my business card anymore.
0: Right. So growing yourself broke, that's an interesting way of really nailing this visual of this kind of, I'm imagining a a person standing on this, what looks like a giant mountain, but it's really just like a trash heap. And (laughs) so first of all, tell me that story. Like, how did you get to that point? And then what happened?
1: I grew for growth's sake. Yeah. The, the, the long story, <laughs> I'll, I'll make the long story okay. short. I started out as a recording studio back in 2005 after getting out of the Air Force, serving in the Air Force for 10 years. I had been a working musician from the age of 13 to 28. Oh, wow. I'm not tall enough nor dark enough, good looking enough or talent enough to be a rock star <laughs> that makes any money. So I decided I will record other uh, musicians and help them in their dream, yeah. right? And that's how I started Buzzbiz Studios. But then about a year into that, I realized that surviving off of starving musicians was a bad business plan. <laughs> and so I expanded that into the other starving folks out there, small business owners. And I started doing production for small business owners. And the SMB market is is very fascinating to me. I feel that small business is the backbone of our economy. It's where 99% of all new jobs come from. And if we can build better uh, entrepreneurs that are not poor, then we can build back our disappearing middle class. And so that became my my mission is to help SMBs market themselves better because if you can mark yourself well and you can sell that product, you're going to be able to grow to somewhere where you are going to be comfortable and you're going to fit into that mold of middle class, upper middle class, even maybe past that sure. upper class, right? Yeah. That's great, right? But then I found out that just being a production studio is not enough. I've got to show people, teach people, or sometimes even do it for them because they don't have an understanding to it or they don't have a passion for it. And if you don't have those two things in your marketing, it's always going to fall a little short. And so over the years we did that. So once I got that down, we started going gangbusters and I just started growing for growth's sake instead of building out my infrastructure. So I built all the culture and all of the fun frou-frou stuff that they tell you you need to build. But I didn't pay attention to how much I was charging. Oh. So it's creating a bigger infrastructure, not charging any more and getting more elaborate and more productized services over time that became top heavy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so if we missed out on a good quarter, the whole thing, it just goes, oh, cards my gosh. at gosh, point. And so I was in Italy a, a few years ago, shooting a feature length documentary for a client and I was gone for 11 days. When I came back, there was a little coup d'état that hit, oh, no. and my culture that was pristine. Like uh, we were in Alaska at the time, and I would have folks who had moved from the Lower 48, so the, the, the contiguous 48, up to Alaska to to work after out of college, usually is entry level, right? Yeah. And I build them up, all that good stuff, and they're like, "I hate Alaska. The only reason I'm here is because of this job, because <laughs> oh, this God. company, because of the culture." So I, I was feeling good, yeah. Like double figure seven. I was in the two point. $3 million range yeah. in revenue and bubbling. I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. I'm doing great. Go to Italy. I'm like, yeah. doing on location in the Vatican. I'm like, I'm I'm kicking butt, taking names. Yeah, I've made it, right? Get back and it's just a nightmare. And I just looked at it. I lost about a third of my crew because of that coup d'etat. Oh my gosh. And I was like, do I build this back? And I just looked at it and go, I'm gonna spend another five, 10 years building it, rebuilding it. And I just like, no no, I don't want to do that anymore. I was miserable. I didn't own a company. I owned a job. And so 2019, I launched buzzworthy integrated marketing and I splintered off the production into another company um, that runs on its own. And I just focused on the digital marketing for service-based businesses because it's what I was best at is what I was most passionate about. And it's the one that changes the most. So, and I love innovation. So it allows me to challenge me.
0: As you were going through that coup d'etat, where did that all fall apart? It sounds like you had this great culture. You had people that were there wanting to be there just for the company, but then somehow there was some like left turn where it just fell apart. And was that indicative of the finances and how things weren't or that was a totally separate It was
1: it had to do with the the age of my okay. crew. The demographic of my crew was younger. Okay. Right. Because we weren't charging enough, I couldn't afford to get seasoned marketers. Sure. So I was I was the stepping stone for a lot of the other firms okay. in the in the region, yeah. right? And so with that, you get some kids, and I say kids now, right out of college. And they're in mid-20s, yeah. right? And I'm in my mid to late 30s. I don't know. I'm in my 40s by this time. And I'm looking at these kids, and they're thinking, well, the college told me I'm, I should be making six figures <laughs> within my second year. <laughs> And I'm like, no, if you want six figures, you got to go sell stuff like, well, well, can I do that? I said, sure, I'll train you how to sell. And then they would and then they go out and they get a bunch of no's. They're like, well, that's hard. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't like that. This is your fault.
1: It's your fault. It's hard.
0: Yeah. Okay. so it was it was sort of a a maturity level kind of issue.
1: Unfortunately, some of that had to do it. I had some mismanagement steps. I had my number two lose a quarter million dollar client and instead of firing him immediately i kept him on for the rest of the pay period as a favor to him because he had a brand new kid he was married and all this other stuff and i was just you know i don't he was not a bad guy he just wasn't a good fit for the position and i you know it was like well you know it's only three more days and that i don't want to cut off you know, his income yeah. like that. And so I let him to the end of the week. So people thought I laid him off instead of firing oh, him. And he was beloved.
0: Oh. So I had
1: that going on. And then I had some embezzlement going on oh. in my, on the other side. And so, like I said, it was a house of cards yeah. because it grew so fast. I didn't, I didn't, do a lot of the fundamental infrastructure. Yeah. And then I promoted people who weren't ready to be promoted into positions that required more experience.
0: So how does that now play out with you know the work you're doing now? And then I feel mm-hmm. like there is a translation into this idea of overall strategy and like placing those plans and spending the time and the upfront effort and thought and time to... Mm-hmm put those plans in place to avoid these kinds of organizational nightmares. So how does that all play out now?
1: Well, now three years later, I more, seven times more profitable than I ever was before.
0: Awesome. awesome. <laughs> so you have, you have like,
1: I would, got- and so when I, when I rebuilt it, I said, I have to do it different because you try to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results it's is insanity. insanity yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so how do I start? Well, f- first of all, I had to, th- 13,000 square foot facility. I got rid of it. Yeah. yeah. To get rid of it, I had to, I had to declare bankruptcy yeah. to get out of my personal guarantees, to get out of yeah. it. Yeah. Sure. I was like, okay, that's that's the sacrifice I'm going to make to be make this work right. for me. I needed a company that worked for me, right? That produced a service that worked for my clients. Yeah. Because it was always the thing with me. And it is, and to this day, it is, say, we take care of the client, the business will take care of itself, Yeah. right? Yeah. Profits will be there for when you make other people money. Right. And I tell that people all the time. It's like, you want to make a $100,000 your first couple of years at a company, make that company money. Yeah. They will pay you every dime you want. Exactly. Just make them enough money. Exactly. Right. And that's what I do. Yeah. You know, that's our job as marketers is to make our clients money. Right. And so I looked at it and I started looking at my pricing. And a lot of my, my book is based on the fundamental shortcomings of how we provided the classic ad agency services out there, right? And I thought because small businesses are small, then their budgets were small. Right. And didn't realize that the serious people who are serious about growing their company are ready to invest seriously. Right, right. And so if I have a serious services with serious investment, I will attract serious entrepreneurs, yeah. and those are the people I like to work with, and those are the only people I work with yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. If I have somebody who's not doesn't quite qualify for my done-for-you services, I have now service at, uh, software as a service platforms that allow them to do it themselves. Yeah. And if they want coaching, we have coaching programs that that, that we work back and forth. Yeah. But my white glove is for the folks who don't have they have more time than money. Right. Right. right? Yeah. And they're ready to leverage that money so that they can make their business even stronger.
0: And I think the more time than money is an important point because those other folks that have, no, the other way around, they have more money than time. The the other folks that have more time than money are the ones that will spend that time nitpicking and micromanaging. And we both know what happens with that. It destroys the value of that project. So Mm -hmm. where it was great and perfect was way before they ever got in and tried to dismantle it. And so spending Mm -hmm. more time on a project is never going to give those people the result that they think it is, where the people who spend less time and trust and value the work are going to end up with a better result. And I say this all the time. So yeah, that is so true. I have found that myself in my million years of experience as well. <laughs> okay. So, going on to the book recommendation. As you know, our audience is full of tireless lawyers who don't have time to read books that aren't worth it. So, what's a book that you've read that is worth it?
1: So, when I relaunched my company, I realized that I needed to learn more about money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like-
0: <laughs> we laugh, but it's like, <laughs> you know, this is not something that, that is taught in law school. And I went through an MBA program. And so I tell lawyers all the yeah. time, this is, you know, I don't know if, if I get sued or if I have a legal issue. I'm not going to try to do it myself. I'm going to hire somebody that knows what's going on. So just because you're a smart lawyer doesn't mean that you took a course in finance and you understand all how all these things work. So... Tell me more about your book. <laughs> so
1: I I lucked out right as I was start- so I got introduced to a gentleman ma- by the name of Michael McAlweyts, <laughs> who wrote a book called Profit First. Yeah, and it teaches people how to uh, shows people entrepreneurs how the gap accounting, which is general accepted uh, accounting practices, where it is wrong. Yes, and that the income minus expenses equals profit creates poverty amongst our entrepreneurs yep. in the United States. Yep. And so the profit first says profit minus six minus, I'm sorry, income minus profit equals your expense right uh, account. But it okay? leads
0: with the profit.
1: It starts with profit. So even and so it and he, he has a couple different scenarios. When you're first starting out, you don't always be able to take the whole profit that you want, right? And so sometimes you start with 1%. But when you pay yourself out, that half of 1% every quarter, you now get that value that you put into your company. And for a long time, too many years, I didn't do that. I reinvested money over and over, and I just doubled up and doubled up and doubled up, saying, in the end, It'll, It'll all pay, pay off. off.
0: And this is so common. And I think his book, first of all, I, I want to compliment you on being able to pronounce his last name. I've talked to enough people about this that they always call it Profit First by Michael something something with it. <laughs> So
1: Something something it's.
0: Yeah, right. it's. It's like too close. Like Michael Mike Michalowicz. It's it's just it's like a tongue twister. You got <laughs> it? That's perfect. But you said it first. So but if, if I had to say it myself, I, I would have stumbled. But enough people, it's such a simple concept, and it has totally transformed. For me, it's a visibility thing. I can glance at my accounts and know exactly what's happening. And so to jump in just for a second, the way he kind of describes it is his mother used to take her check and put it in all these different envelopes. And so she would Mm -hmm. separate it out physically and, and literally into These are, this is my money for my bills. This is my money for that X, Y, here's my groceries, whatever. And this is a similar concept with you're separating out your taxes, you're separating out your operating Mm -hmm. expenses, but you're also separating out your profit so that Mm -hmm. nothing touches it. It's in a literal separate bank account. And Mm -hmm. I've been using it myself for, I want to say two, maybe this is the third year, going into the third year. And I absolutely love it. Like it's just going Mm -hmm. in, you go in twice a month and you allocate your Mm -hmm. income into you just like throw it into all these little buckets. And it's like, Oh, this is amazing. It's, you know, I don't just look at this big one account and think, well, Mm -hmm. some of that goes somewhere and some of this goes into another place, but (laughs) exactly. It's like, but that's a nice big number. So I'm going to assume I've got a whole bunch of money. And it's like, you don't want to make any assumptions when it comes to your, your money and your numbers.
1: I think, and the thing, this is funny. My executive assistant, does all those transfers for me twice a month. I don't even look at, I don't even touch it anymore. It's so systemizable. It's there. And all I do is look at my QuickBooks and I take a look at the accounts across now and I can tell you exactly where I'm ahead and where I'm behind. Exactly, And it allows for service-based businesses can go cyclical, right? You can have those hot seasons and not so hot seasons. So it allows for reserves to automatically build up when you're having really good quarters so that when you have bad quarters, you don't have to start laying people off or give yourself less salary. And so you kind of build in this whole concept of being your own bank. Yes. And the great thing is like taxes, holy cow. I just found out, like my my accountant told me last year. Yeah, you're not gonna be paying taxes for the next couple of years. Next couple of years because of some of the things that I did in my restructuring um, allowed me some credits. And so he's like, yeah, you're not gonna pay those. And well, I've been putting away the 15% tax all year. Right. I'm like, who this is a big chunk yeah. of money. Now this money I was not expecting, and it's it's separate from my my profit that was really good. Right. So I'm like, that's nice. I should take this and reinvest in my. I have this free money to invest in my company. Yes right and it I, it won't hurt anything else because everything else is already paid right. for and that freedom is immeasurable right. immeasurable the
0: freedom and and just the the sense of calm and the kind of peace of mind oh. just mm-hmm. glancing at it mm-hmm. and knowing okay mm-hmm. these are the numbers period yep. like that i'm not guessing huh? i'm not thinking oh i'm probably going to have this into it's that's that it. i've got this set aside it's just it's just you mm-hmm. know
1: nice and easy and when you get skinny when, uh, with cash, guess what you, do? you go back to your expense account. You never look at your profit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you make your you make yourself think you're poor, but by just looking at that one percentage you give for expenses and you go, well, I don't have any more money to do anything fancy. Right. How do we do it without being fancy? And right. so it makes you frugal in the places that you really need that to be frugal. Be. And then when you're like, well, I want better. Well, then all you do is grow your sales. Because yes. when you grow your sales, you get more percentage than yeah. that. And so it really helps build that up and it really makes you look at what you're spending money on, on all aspects, salary, all those things. And so it's a really good book. I did it an ebook and then I have a hard copy. The
0: hard copy copy is nice. I do a lot of ebooks myself, but the hard copy Mm -hmm. is nice because there are worksheets and things that you want to print out and actually like write out the numbers Mm -hmm. and kind Mm -hmm. of figure that stuff out. And you don't have to have an accounting degree or a finance oh, or gosh, an no. MBA. It's very, <laughs> very simple. And once you kind of glance through it and spend a couple hours doing it, I haven't changed anything in so a couple of years. It's amazing. So yeah, yeah. I, that's yeah, I that's it. a great book, such a good recommendation. I um, highly Thank recommend you. it. We're also going to link to your book, <laughs> The Rule of 26. So we've got there all those go. details in there. Yeah, the, we're showing it on, if, if you're watching it on YouTube, you'll see it on, on YouTube also. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're just listening, we'll link to it on the, in the show notes. So what's one big takeaway you want kind of listeners to get from this episode?
1: When it comes to your website, it is something that will give equally or be leveraged equally to what you put into it. Yes. So many times I work with people who say, okay, I built the website. Now what? And they, they immediately want to get analytics and say, okay, where's the money coming from? And they forget that a website is purely or just the same as a brick and mortar in the physical world except in a much bigger city with billions of other brick and mortars sitting out there. And when it comes to our our personal industries, thousands of brick and mortars right next to each other when we search. right? And only the top 10 visible brick and mortars on the search engine are the ones that get the business. So if you're not working on the visibility of your website, you are leaving money for your competitors to take. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's that's it. That's what it comes down to. And I, I hear a lot of people saying, uh, I don't really even know if I need a website. I've had websites and they don't do much. And so my response is always, well, then it's broken and there's something that needs to be fixed. As a law mm-hmm. firm, I, I get that a lot of lawyers and law firms don't consider themselves in terms in business terms. But- Mm -hmm. you're not a nonprofit, you are a law firm, it is a business. (laughs) And so you need to reconsider that, just that whole mindset that it needs to be a business, it needs to be profitable, in terms of how you're going to even reach your clients and and accomplish your goals. But and also Mm -hmm. part, a huge part of that is that your website needs to be working and pulling in those leads and the business and all of that. And so it's not just you know what you hear all the time it's just a business card online no it should not anymore no,
1: not, not anymore no, no. It used to be like when we and i started building websites back in 1999 yeah. it was an online brochure it was because the internet couldn't do a lot of things but now the internet can do a lot of things your website can qualify people yes. to a point where only the people within your business who were qualified to talk to that prospect will get that message exactly. instead of Everything coming into one little bottleneck and then getting dispersed. Yeah, There's so many other ways. The call that you don't get can be profitable. People don't realize what it means to qualify through their website and disqualify people that are going to just waste your time and resources. I
0: love that quote. The call that you don't get can be profitable. Like that is uh, that will blow some people's minds, I think. You know, the the idea of n- not wasting your time with, you know, those non-ideal clients is saving you money or maybe mm-hmm. even making you money because it's making the space for the right ones.
1: Right. I tell people all the time, have a list of colleagues who do exactly what you do but are not direct competitors because they have a different part of the industry as their niche. Yeah. So that you can refer those people quickly. Yep. Boom. Yep. And the more you do that for them, the more they'll do it for you. Yeah, it's karma. Okay. Yep. And that that givers gain mentality yep. will man, it's so rich. It is. It really it's is. So rich.
0: I believe in that so much. Okay. So Michael Bazinski is the president and CMO of Buzzworthy Marketing. And thank you so much for your time. And we will link all of your resources and your book and everything in the show notes. But thanks again for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.